Welcome inside the first ever emergency pod. Thanks to Elliot Cadeau. Some big news coming out of uh, Carolina Nation earlier today. Um, Jay and I just wanted to touch on it before our uh, next episode. This is really big. It's huge, Craig, and it feels like we've been waiting for this for months, for a long time now. This has been building, we've been talking about it, been wondering which way this is going to go at different points. It felt like it was trending the direction that that Elliot was going to reclassify, and then for a while it felt like it was moving back the other direction, but now here we are, and um, did not expect to wake up to this news today necessarily, (laughs) even though I was really waiting for this and refreshing my feeds (laughs) to see when it was going to happen. But really big day for Carolina fans, big day for Elliot Cadeau, and he'll be joining the team for the coming season. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, Jay was so unprepared, actually, that he is in Chapel Hill, but he did not travel with his microphone because, as we talked about last episode, there's a thing called superstitions, too, right? If you would have brought the mic, there's no way Elliot reclassifies he probably decommits and ends up somewhere else. Yeah, so so thankfully left the mic at home. Everything goes according to plan. And really, I mean, it's interesting to reflect on how we got here and, and why now. So a couple of things to, to unpack. One being the fact that the freshmen for UNC actually report to campus June 10th. So he now will be able to come in with Simeon Wilcher and Zayden High and be able to uh, start with those guys during the summer and then enrolling classes over the summer as well. So that summer is going to be important for him to get in the weight room with, with Jonas Serration and the rest of the team and start to get acclimated with the, the rest of the team and build that chemistry, which is going to be really important going into the fall. So this was the time he really was hitting the window of now was the time to, to do it. He actually wrapped up his Nike Elite Youth Basketball League schedule for AAU on Monday. So finish that on Monday and just an explanation point to an unbelievable AAU season for him with 29 points and 15 assists. So he set his or tied his his high for assists for the, the sessions for the spring with 15 assists and, and set his point record as well at 29. Just an unbelievable game. And it made me think a lot about if you think about those wrestlers in the Olympics, if you think about Greco-Roman wrestling and when they retire, they put their shoes in the middle of the ring and just imagine that after that game that he unlaced his Nikes and left them at center court because that was just an unbelievable performance. And he also led led EYBL and assists at over nine a game for the four different sessions. And the other thing that stood out to me was that Really, it was this last session, maybe even the one before. So it's been the last four to six games that his stats, you look at his stats, and all of a sudden it was just like, I'm going to score. And that's what I'm focusing on. He's had multiple 20-point games. He's been really efficient. He was flirting with, at at one point, 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from the line, which is the holy grail in terms of shooting stats and, and what you're looking for. So he finished... Right at 50% from the floor, uh, 35% from three, and 87% from the foul line. Just unbelievable shooting numbers that really project well going forward as he makes the move into Chapel Hill. Yeah, obviously coming in as a freshman, you're going to have an adjustment period. But this is one of the purest Carolina point guards in the history of Carolina basketball, it looks like. 
say we're doing this podcast one year later and looking back, what would you define as a successful season for Elliot Cadeau? Yeah, that's a great question because his stated goal is that it's just going to be one season at UNC. So this is it. So his goal is to be one and done. So I think it's going to be hard to put him into historical context based on one season. At the same time, just looking at him, even watching him this weekend and watching more of his highlights from this, this spring, he, to me, is the most complete point guard we've had at UNC since Ty Lawson. And so he's not Ty Lawson in terms of nobody was as fast as Ty, right? Ty's a blur with the basketball, but Elliot is super quick. He is almost impossible to keep in front of you with his agility. And so the combination of his, his quickness, his quick feet, but also his lateral movement, he's almost impossible to, to stop getting in the lane. And then his vision is Kendall Marshall-like. Really, it's eerie to see the way that he is able to throw folks open and, and how quickly he processes the game and positioning and where to throw the ball. So there's that piece of it, but what makes him different from a Kendall or even an Ed Coda is his ability to score. And mm-hmm. so we're starting to see that from this spring, but he also really worked on that last year. He was on the under-18 Swedish national team, and he focused on scoring. He averaged over 20 points a game, four assists per game. So his focus was, I'm going to go out, I'm going to score, work on my shot. And he did that. He had a game where he went over 30 points. And if you want your expectations for this guy and for us next year to just run wild, (laughs) throw on that tape of him with the Sweden national team and watch his dunk that he had against Belgium, where he was a one-man fast break and he really takes off from about half court with the ball, blows by his defender at the three-point line, and then dunks over the help side defender. And, and that's when I said, okay, get him to campus right away. I will drive him there myself. I'll pack his bags, whatever you need from me. So, so yeah, I think in terms of his ability to score and the smoothness of his jump shot, again, looking at his numbers in terms of projecting out his shooting, David Sisk, who's an analyst for Tar Heel Illustrated, who I have a lot of respect for, talks a good amount about looking at projecting out high school shooting statistics, and it's difficult to do that. But one of the things he talks about is that if you can shoot around 80% from the foul line, that tends to project pretty well for the rest of your shooting statistics going forward just based on having solid mechanics. So I think you could see a pretty good shooting year from him. Now, something else to add to that is going back to the Roy era anyway, we had a stretch where for whatever reason, freshmen who were really strong shooters and built as strong shooters coming in struggled in that first year. Um, But I think just in terms of his mentality and and his pedigree, I could see him hitting mid-30s from three, which would be right around where Kobe White shot in his first year, right around where Cole Anthony was. And and that's been at the higher end of our freshman coming in at a point guard or shooting guard position. The record for a freshman is actually Corwin Walton at 42%. So he set a new bar for, for that. But I would expect him to shoot it pretty well. And then the rest of his game in terms of managing the game and leading the team, I could see him anywhere between 10 to 12 points and 8 to 10 assists. I know that's a high number, but just looking at these highlights, this is not just him playing against high school competition. This is somebody who is a prodigy with his vision and ability 
to set up defenders. And so I expect him to have really high assist numbers and a high assist to turnover ratio. It's a ton of reasons right there for Carolina fans to be hyped. Um, I'll just I'll just say that. And I do want to touch on a little bit of a tangent here and talk about Hubert Davis briefly because this is the first offseason where I feel like he's come in and needed to prove something to the fans, whether that's warranted or not. He's got that pressure on him. The first year he inherited Roy's team. The year after, we end up returning four out of five starters. He's done a pretty stellar job on paper, at least so far, of getting transfers in and now getting this reclassification. What's your assessment of Hubert's first real test in the offseason just a month and a half after the national championship? Yeah, I think that Hubert honestly has knocked it out of the park every offseason. If we talk about in Carolina football that Mac Brown wins the offseason with his ability to to sell a vision for what Carolina is going to do in the fall and where the program's heading, Hubert has won the offseason every year. You talk about what he was able to do with bringing in Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia based on where he was ranked and what he could do positionally as a stretch big. He won that. He won it that first offseason. And then sure you did. talk about coming in the next year with Pete Nance, signing a Gigi Jackson, even though he ends up reclassifying and going to South Carolina. He put Carolina back on the map in terms of being able to bring in these top prospects. And he's done that with signing an Elliott Cadeau with signing Ian Jackson, who's top five in the 24 class, and Drake Powell, who's now potentially going to jump into the top 20 to 15. So that really says a lot in terms of his ability to recruit both the transfer portal, but also having somebody like Elliot Cadeau to believe in his vision to say, you know what, even though we have an established point guard who's going to be in his fourth year in R.J. Davis, I believe in what Hubert's wanting to do and, and probably using more of a three-yard offense that I'm going to come in a year early and trust him, that I'm going to get on the court, that he's going to get me where I want to be, which is to have an exceptional year at UNC, to get the individual but also team accolades, and then move on to the next level. Yeah, I feel like this gives us a, a pretty stellar amount of depth uh, when it comes to run, running point. I feel like traditionally in, in Carolina basketball, compared to programs, and I say this, begrudgingly like duke and kentucky a lot of times we don't get as pure one and dones this to me from everything you've described from all the tapes that you've sent me that i've watched feels pretty darn close to a one and done that is very elite i haven't been this hyped until today about the offseason um we we've reached pretty peak levels with uh with harrison ingram last week and uh you know elliot cadeau reclassifying this week we also have the jaron stevenson visit which we haven't even touched on yet we'll probably get more into that in the next pod given the uh that this is an emergency pod only but jay i i am feeling the hype again um i know we're several months away but but this feels like a good day to remember being a carolina fan feels great absolutely it's not even summer yet and so what i would say is enjoy it right Soak in, celebrate this. This is one of the fun things about being a fan is when you get these big recruiting wins or somebody reclassifies and you weren't sure exactly what was going to happen or not. And so what I would say to fans, because we're fans, we get to do this. You can let your expectations run wild. Absolutely. Why not? Have have fun with it. So watch those clips of him and, and just imagine him breaking Kendall Marshall's assist numbers for single game, something like that. You know, maybe he can get up to 17, 18 assists in a game. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he's been hitting the 15 assist mark pretty consistently at the high school level. And with when you talk about 
the talent that's going to be around him. That's the other piece of it. So he's elevated the talent around him on both his high school team at Link and then his EYBL team this spring. But now you're talking about he's playing with guys who are as talented as he is. And look out. He is a lob threat in terms of throwing lob passes anytime he touches the ball. And we have the athletes to back that up. And I think to your point about being excited, there were a few different things that Hubert wanted to do in the offseason. One of them was to raise the level of athlete that he had on our team. He's done that bringing in Cadeau. He's done that bringing in Wilcher. And he's done that bringing in a Harrison Ingram and Jalen Withers as well. So you have these athletes on the wings of the guard position that can get out and run. And I'm hoping we'll be able to, to see more of the Carolina break this year. And then he also wanted to raise the basketball IQ of the team as well. And he's done that too. Elliot is a really smart player. And so are Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, and uh, Paxson Wojcik also really high basketball IQ guy, but also brings a leadership and an edge to him. So I think you look at the goals that he had for the offseason and he accomplished those things. And so that makes me excited for the vision and direction of where he's going. But you can also see the way they want to play and how this fits into their overall offensive scheme and ability to space and spread the floor. I get excited when I hear the the words Carolina break again. It's been a few years since I feel like we've run a true Carolina break, maybe even back to 2016, 2017. Um, this sounds like it's getting back to the true roots of Carolina basketball, and that's what I'm most excited for. Yeah, we definitely have the guards to run the break now. Wiltshire can get out and run. I think he's as fast as we've seen somebody with the ball from the Carolina, Carolina guard spot since Kobe White. And so the combination of those two guys together, I think that he and Elliot fit really, really well next to each other. Simeon is more of a scoring guard at 6'3", 6'4", and Elliot is more of a pure point guard who's going to facilitate the offense but also be able to find his shot. The big question we talked about previously when we talked about Cadeau was how is he going to fit with R.J. Davis, and Mm -hmm. that's still going to be the question. R.J. does want to be a point guard, be the point guard, and there was some tension between him and Caleb Love last year when Caleb was on the Bob Cousy watch list for point Mm -hmm. guards and RJ wasn't. So that's really going to be the next thing I want to see Hubert navigate is how do you build the chemistry? How do you balance that piece of it with your veteran point guard who likes to have the ball in his hands, but can also really go and score and could be really well served playing off the ball some too. How do you balance those two pieces together? The other piece of it is that they're both small, uh, small point guards and both around six feet tall. So, there is precedent for that. I mean, I had to think back and, and think, did we have we done that before? And it wasn't that long ago that we had Marcus Page and Joel Berry running together in the 2015-2016 season, both at about six feet, playing out there at the same time. And if Joel Berry doesn't roll his ankle in the first half against Villanova, maybe the second half of that game doesn't happen. He had 15 points in the first half and was just on fire from, from outside. And the other one that comes to mind was a Final Four team twice in 97 and 98 with Shaman Williams at the two and Coda at the one. So we have the precedent for it. There are ways to, to scheme defensively to be able to make up for that, that lack of size of the guard spots. But that gives you the flexibility then to play Cormac Ryan 
or Harrison Ingram at the three and the four with Baycott. So there's a lot of options for Hubert Davis, which is really exciting. I've got two quick takeaways to touch on, but I want to make sure you get a uh, get y'all, get all your thoughts in here before we uh, wrap up this emergency Kado pot. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about his ranking a little bit real quick. So he he was ranked number eleven in the twenty twenty four class overall and the number one overall point guard. It sounded like that that they were going to actually move him up. Uh, Eric Bossy at two four seven Sports wrote recently that they were planning on bumping him up into the top five based on his recent play and how he had just been dominating the AAU circuit. Instead, they actually updated the 2023 class today and put him right around the same point at number 12 and number two point guard in the class. Number one being Isaiah Collier. He's going to USC, uh, Southern Cal, to play with Bronny James. And that guy is, is fun to watch, too. Saw him in the McDonald's game, and he is gets downhill really fast, attacks the rim, has great vision. I, I have to say, though, of the guys that are the top point guards in the class of 23, that Cadeau is still the most complete one to me just with his ability to score and what I've seen from his smoothness and mechanics on his jump shot and overall feel for the game. There are a couple other guys there in the mix for that, too. Rob Dillingham, who originally signed with NC State, but then um, – Ended up making a better decision and decommitted. <laughs> Went to Kentucky instead. But he's from Charlotte, and he's he's got a pretty amazing handle and ability to uh, really dribble in tight spots. He dances a little bit too much with the ball at times, but he also is another guy who can really get to the rim. And then my favorite point guard actually in the class is El Marco Jackson, who's going to Kansas and is also from New Jersey like Elliot Cadeau. And I just love watching this guy. He's a freight train when he gets the ball, 6'3", and just gets downhill and, and does it with ease getting to the basket. So he's not going to be my favorite point guard because that's going to be Cadeau, but just watching him, that's been fun to see. And so bring that up also for context of where he ranks, but we're college basketball fans, so it's exciting to see who's coming in next year in, in general. And then the last thing on that is that the last time we had a point guard who was ranked this high was actually – uh, number seven in the country, Caleb Love, the the guy he's replacing in the lineup. And we also found out today, it was a big news day, right? So we found Very out today big. where Caleb Love is going to play next year. And he's going to Arizona to be reunited with Coach Robinson down there in Tucson. So excited for him. And that seems like a great fit for him. And it also makes sure that he's off our schedule, at least until March. Off our schedule and back on the Dukes. That's that's right. Yeah, so the the fact that Arizona has only played at Cameron once ever and the second game of the season is in Cameron against Arizona. And so not only did we avoid him on our schedule, but I'm going to have my popcorn ready for that game. And I'll bring the butter. I'm joining you. That's that's right. Fully expect him to have one of those nights and, and put 30 plus on Duke. I know it's not the only reason and probably a very very small percentage of the reason but if i'm caleb love and i'm as competitive as caleb love is it's in the back of my mind if i go to arizona get to play duke yeah you you know he he had at least some idea that wasn't the the reason but when whenever he found out he had to he had to just have a smile on his face yeah it's a big grin yeah so i i know that game's going to be hyped up early season exciting to see these types of cross Conference matchups happening more and more in college basketball with 
big name teams and brands mm-hmm. and good for the game. So that one's going to be fun, fun to watch. And as Carolina fans with so many players transferring out, we have a lot of guys to track elsewhere this season too. In addition to watching the heels each week too. That'll be a priority on the pod during the season too, is, you know, keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on Caleb Love and DeMarco and Trez and, and seeing how all those guys are doing, because, you know, once a Tar Heel, always a Tar Heel, it's going to be fun to, to support them and, and see how they're doing again, as long as they stay off our schedule and avoid dropping, 20 plus it's my only request it's not asking much yeah it's not asking much i think i think that can happen and so so yeah so excited for him and just real quick in terms of the fit at arizona he's going to be playing in the backcourt with Jaden bradley uh who is transferring in from alabama also a north carolina guy originally from from the state of north carolina they have Kylan Boswell, who could push for a starting position. He may take that starting spot, I would imagine, next to Caleb Love in the starting lineup. And then they have a few other standout players there, too. Omar Balo is their, their big, who folks have compared, called Baby Shaq uh, in terms of his some of his ability. But he's definitely a, a presence inside especially with the loss of uh, Zulus Tabellis, who's going to the NBA. He's going to be featured more. And Pella Larson. So they have a really solid core there. And so, again, I'm really excited for Caleb with the opportunity that's in front of him. With all those guys there, there's still an opportunity for this to be his team and for him to be the lead guard and to have some big moments. So hope that he can find that there while he's reunited with Coach Rob, who we're a big fan of. And Tommy Lloyd's a great coach down at Arizona, too. So I think it worked out really well for him in the end. Before we wrap up, I've got two quick points and two quick takeaways from everything that you've said, Jay. The first is we have depth again. All right, 2022, we did not. 2023, we did. Didn't make the most use of it. But we have the depth in the point guard position at other positions that it should feel pretty comfortable going into the season. Uh, In terms of rotations, there'll be a lot to get used to. Putting Elliott and RJ in the mix together, seeing how they play, those are big factors, but those are also things to be very excited about too because when you have depth, you have options, you have lineups you can run that look different to different teams, can throw teams off. So I'm really excited about that. And the second takeaway here is just the names of point guards that we're throwing out in comparison is something to not be taken lightly. Um, There are some Carolina legends, there are some college basketball legends in general that have come through Carolina. So just hearing those names in comparison to some of the greats, again, has me really hyped. Um, I'm excited to to see what's in store now, even even more than uh, than last time we touched base. Good day for college hoops. Good day for commits. Good day for the kids who put so much effort into the game that they love. So you love to see it. Uh, I'm glad we were able to hop on this week and share some good news with uh, college basketball fans in general and Carolina fans. A lot to be excited about. Um, As you can see, still a very busy market out there. Uh, Some transfers still to land. So a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. But uh, most importantly, we'll be dropping this pod uh, on Wednesday. It'll be May 31st when y'all are listening to this. And we'll be back on Monday, the 5th, with a new episode in full. So, Jay, thanks for the time and the insight. As always, we'll catch you guys soon. Absolutely, Craig. Excited to exciting day for Carolina fans and pointing out to all of you for listening and being here with us and being part of this journey. And go Heels. Go Heels, baby.